Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. We would like to remind you to head over to the Sportsman's Nation Facebook and Instagram pages to check out the new trailer for the very first ever short film titled Tradition. We're really excited about this project and hope you will enjoy it just as much as we enjoyed making it. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting, the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bear. Like what are you what are you trying to do, Aaron? What would what would the end goal of Aaron Snyder in twenty years, if everything goes away that you would hope it would, what what would that be? You know, somebody asked me this recently, and it, I don't think they got the answer out of me. I wanted honestly, my. We stopped in Denver at the Kafaru International Headquarters to talk with Aaron Snyder. Colby and I were on our way back from Montana and had an awesome conversation where we talked about some of Aaron's motivations, some of his background in hunting, why he does what he does, his definitions of manhood. We talked about his motivations for being as driven as he is and as disciplined as he is. We talked about traditional archery and some of the methods that he's using, but also kind of contrasted it with other methods that work too. We had a, a fun conversation that's probably different than some of the other podcasts you've heard with Aaron Snyder. Be sure to check out the Bear Hunting Magazine Patreon page where we are we're gathering patrons for the Bear Hunting Magazine YouTube channel and this podcast. Check out Bear Hunting Magazine, the world's only print bear hunting magazine. And good luck if you're still spring bear hunting. It's like prime time 
right now, first weeks of June. And without further ado, Aaron Snyder, Kifaru, here we go. We're rolling. All right. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. This is one of the podcasts on our Montana tour. Colby Moorhead and I are coming back from Montana on a do-it-yourself bear hunt. We hauled our mules up to Montana, and we were coming back through Denver. So Colorado is in between Montana and northwest Arkansas, and uh, we are here at Kifaru in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. Is that right, Aaron? That, that's correct. Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the Kafaro World Headquarters. That's right, man. Only one. <laughs> it's pretty stinking impressive, too. Really is. But I've got. We're here with Aaron Snyder, and uh, for people who wouldn't, Aaron, you're a hard guy to describe. But for for people who wouldn't know Aaron Snyder, which some of you may not, but I figure a lot of you do. Aaron, first of all, he works for Kafaro, and Kafaro is a is a they make backpacks. They make shelters. They're, I'm going to let you describe what it is, but Aaron hosts a podcast. Aaron does outdoor riding. Aaron is a, a prolific archer, got into traditional archery the last several years. He's a heck of a hunter. He's a heck of a shot. Kind of, uh, you got, st- got started on uh, Rock Slide, the forum, a long time ago. I guess a lot of people knew you through that, Aaron, through gear related stuff I, I started that website you started rock slide yep. and now you are the infamous aaron snyder Pro- probably a good way to describe it yeah <laughs> <laughs> but hey you're also a, a big bear hunter and, and, yeah. and on this podcast we don't always just talk about bear hunting but uh but aaron man inter- how would you introduce yourself uh, <laughs> um well i'm the i'm the now president and ceo of kafaru international um I yeah I got started just doing gear reviews started a website Rockslide uh, got on a different podcast Gritty Bowman kind of was a co-host there and uh, I'm a bit uh, introverted I'm not too good at being in public with a large group of people which to my probably downfall but I get to spend uh, as you know 150 200 plus nights a year in the wilderness I end up lucky enough to go on 20 30 40 hunts a year. Um, and so, you know, for, for me, I try to just help people as much as I can, uh, both with the gear, obviously, designing gear, not just for Kafaru, but multiple other companies as well. And, uh, you know, my goal really wasn't to get into the industry. Like a lot of people's, my goal was to get into the woods and stay there as much as I could. And, and the industry ended up being a byproduct of it. Um, so, yeah, that's probably not the best description uh, in the world, but... There you what, go. What were your original introductions to hunting, Aaron? You, you did you grow up in a hunting family? Oh my my home no, not really. No, um a little bit. My hometown is um a couple hundred people in the middle the Pacific Crest Trail. It's in Oregon. It it runs kind of right by my hometown. Uh it's a logging community. And uh, my dad hunted a little and you know got me into fishing and the outdoors, but uh, I'm one of those guys from from birth with it was just eaten up alive with hunting, survival, fishing. I picked mushrooms as a kid, uh, Ford school clothes, um, you know, it's did the same thing to, for my first bow. Um, it, and it was one of those things that, um, I, it got, I don't know what that is beating, but anyway, it was one of those things I literally could not get in the woods enough. And that never, never left even to this day. Um, 
I mean, you see how much I get to, to hunt, and I, I can't. You can get sick of hunting. I will say that. You can get tired of it where you need a break. But, um, you know, if I had a choice, whether it be photography, which is something else I'm really into, or hunting, as long as I'm in the outdoors, I'm, I'm in my element. Yeah. What was So uh, what was the first animal you took with a bow? I mean, in Oregon, what were you hunting? It's probably illegal, to be honest with you. Um, not a lot of law, law in law my home. statutes. <laughs> Statutes of limitations. Um, yeah, you know, I'm trying to remember. I'm I'm quite certain it probably, you know, being honest, it probably wasn't the most legal method of take at that time. But there's not a lot of people or anything like that where I'm from. But I th- I think it was a blacktail deer. Actually, no, it was legal. <laughs> the first one I shot was a blacktail <laughs> forked horn. I was probably 11 or 12 years old. Um, okay, I had just taken my hunter safety card uh, or got my hunter safety card, so I was probably 12. Um, yeah, and I didn't hunt as much when I was uh, younger. I was on a trail crew team, and I got to do a lot of backpacking through the wilderness. Um, learned a lot about you know, what ended up being backpack hunting. Um, I fished a ton when I was younger, and, and I hunted a bunch. I mean, I hunted during seasons, but I wasn't very good at it. I didn't have a great mentor. Um, you know, that came, you know, later where I, you know, got better and better and better the more more I hunted. And, and I definitely... Uh, more self-taught you know which is probably why i try to take so many people under my wing it's a rough road when you're self-taught so you got a lot of bumps tell us about kifaru somebody who doesn't like i wouldn't have probably five years ago i didn't know i didn't know about kifaru but it's a pretty incredible company i mean you just gave us a tour a short tour of the headquarters here and everything is american made everything is made right here in colorado Every component of the the packs, the the shelters, the clothing, all the stuff that you're making, I'd say that's super unique. And and I know that everything. I think I've heard maybe you say it before, but I mean, there's no there's no corners cut really on anything. You're trying to use the best possible materials, lightest weight materials, and just. Not always the lightest weight, definitely the best bang for the buck. It may be a little heavier sometimes, but more durable, but the most functional sometimes. Sometimes it is the lightest weight. Um, yeah, it, it uh, uh, Kafaro actually was started by Patrick Smith, who who started Mountain Smith, which is uh, back in the day was an extremely large mountaineering or backpacking company. Um, he he sold that and then started Kafaro International. Uh, he is in what Patrick does Kifaru Smith. mean? It's a uh, rhino in Swahili, so rhino tough gear. Got it. it. Comes from Got um, it. and Patrick, who's basically like a father to me now. Um, you know, the short version. I came in here to to test the pack and write a review about it, and uh, I was like a bad penny. I guess I never went away. He had daughters. Um, you know, all daughters and their husbands aren't really into hunting or the outdoors, and. Um, it was a good fit. I think he uh, saw in me a lot of him and his youth of um, from survival or eating marmots or, you know, it's one of those. I, I just did a podcast with someone else and they like one of the things Patrick's like, you know, have you ever had a marmot? And I was like, well, yeah, of course I've had a marmot. Well, most people this day and age haven't eaten marmot <laughs> yeah. or squirrel or Have even eaten porcupine. Yeah, we talked about that on the podcast too. You got to skin them okay. from the leg up. Okay. Um, yeah. By the way, if do a, <laughs> they taste kind of piney in Alaska? That's eat, all I know. It's, yeah, they do. They do everywhere. Um, yeah. they're not great either. They're a little tough sometimes. But I've eaten just about everything. But those were things he was maybe quizzing me um, before I worked here. We'd backpack and we'd backpack into a lake. You know, keep in mind he's seventy six now. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Okay. 68 69 and we'd hike in and i think as a 
he's a he should have been a teacher or a you know professor. He's very intelligent. His I feel dumb when I'm around him. His vocabulary is off the chart. He's been right? on the podcast some. Yeah, I hadn't has. listened to it yet, but I want to. I want to hear him. Yeah, oh, he's. A, I was trying to get him liquored up because he's much funnier when he's whisk got a little whiskey in him. But uh, he would, uh, you know, I think he wanted to be able to teach me more. But I had 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 good. Um, he's taught me more about being a man than he taught. Yeah. Like I didn't. There wasn't a whole lot to what, learn. What does that mean to you, Aaron? Uh, like, because that that phrase could mean a lot of things. Well, you hear people, a lot of people talk about, let's say, you know, like extreme ownership. Well, that's not just some stuff you put on a T-shirt, you know, that that means owning up to, you know, whether it's your fault or not. And as you take over a large company, right. one way or another, it's your fault. Whether it's your fault or not, in the end, it's your fault, right? right. So, and, and obviously, I had some leadership um, uh, skills behind me before, but he also taught me to, you know, calm down. Um, I'm a pretty high-strung guy, and mm. uh, he taught, you know, he also, you don't need to take over the world. You need to be happy, and, you know, he even worries about me now stressing out, and, and he is the kind of guy that if I was super stressful, no matter what was going on, he'd walk in and be like, you need to go out in the woods, and uh, he's like, you know, take four or five days and, uh, you know, get away, and yeah. also that when you when you test things um you know and i'm not answering this question very well but he would not come out with some products for 10 years of, of testing and mm-hmm. so he you know never rush anything like take as long as it needs to be to be tested which yeah. is why we don't have a lot of failures um yeah. you know and so i just uh you know as far as taking care of family uh everything like that and just being a better person um yeah yeah, he's been very good at me about that. As far as the outdoors, there wasn't a whole lot for me to learn. I'm not not saying that on a bragging aspect. It's just I'd been able to do so much. What I did need to learn or what he wanted to teach me, I'm not a gun guy. And yeah. so he's a reloading fool. Mm-hmm. You, I might as well be talking about golf. It's just not my thing. Right. And I he actually made fun of me a bit for being a bow hunter. He's like... Why do you do that? You're not you're not going to kill anything. And he didn't say it like <laughs> that, but basically, and I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I'm pretty good with this thing, you know. And I think the first year I worked here, I think I put a, flipped over 17 or 20 animals, and he never brought it up again. Um, <laughs> so now yeah. he's very intrigued following along because yeah. I'll go on hunts like that owl dad hunt that he's owl dad hunted and was like, man, that's almost impossible. And you got him with a stick. Got him with a stick on first day, basically. Yeah. Um, right on. About hunt, run a mile to get him, but I got him. Yeah. <laughs> so either way. Hey, let me, let me go back to, let me go back to, uh, the question that you said, cause I, I liked what you said about you learned how to be a man. What would you say, Aaron is like inside of that process? How old are you? 42 or something? Yeah. yeah working on 43. Yeah. 43. Okay. <laughs> What what have been your biggest struggles inside of life? Not not even talking about bow hunting, but I mean, you I, I appreciate your, and I think this is why people like you and, and respect you, even if they don't like you, is is your your your. It's clear that your passion and extreme dedication to the things you commit yourself to are legit. And honestly, most people don't have the internal technology or architecture inside of them to really commit themselves to something um what so what what would have been struggles inside of your life that you have overcome that uh, and I, that's a broad sweeping question Aaron. It's, and it's, a personal it's question yeah that's a good question i tell you what i haven't overcome is overcommitment. um 
you know, and I'm you hear all kinds of stories about me that I'm like a royal a-hole to some people, and then you talk to guys that are close to me, and they're like, he's the most giving dude I've ever met in my yeah. life. I mean, to a point, Jake, Jake Downs is a guy that recently he and I come friends, and he's like worried I've been so nice to him, and one of the things when you're that nice, sometimes you overcommit. I'll overcommit on hunts. We just talked about that where, right. um, you know, I, I get, I want to help so many people and then I end up letting some of them down. That's a problem I'll probably struggle with for my whole life because I, you just can't, you know, with a busy schedule, I do my best. But one of the things I've said I've, I've overcome the most is my, I have a, a temper. I have a, uh, when I say temper, not fly off the handle all the time, uh, passive aggressive temper. I'll let mm-hmm. things slide and slide and slide. And the next thing you know, I'm choke slamming a dude. Um, true story. Like that's happened many times to where, and Patrick's helped out with that, where I really have been able to take a big step back, look at the giant broader picture, um, assess, and then get everyone together, whether it be just me and another guy or me and 20 other people and kind of assess and look at it from, all sides of the fence if that makes any sense like there's always if you and i have an issue and you talk to a guy you're going to be right and i'm looking at colby jack here and if i'm going to be right if they talk to me i've gotten really good at taking a step back and say hey i'm i'm owning up to this part of it but this part's yours man and 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 that's been something i've really tried to work on as a leader and a person yeah just being direct with people is that what you mean yeah, and it's it's hard for people. Yeah, um, it's very hard for people to be. I like people to be very direct to me. Yeah, um, that does people do not will deal well with that. Let, let me ask you something about. I think part of part of manhood is also humility. Yeah, and what's interesting, and I think what people perceive about you is that you're because I mean some people could say. Um, well, there's a there's a part of just knowing who you are and mm-hmm. confidence in your identity. Yeah, just it's, I, I just am what I am, and I'm not going to undersell it, and I'm not going to oversell it. I just am who I am, and I think you're good at uh, you're good at just saying, "Hey, I'm a good traditional archery shot. I've committed the last three years of my life to becoming that." And if some people said it, they would say that guy is arrogant. That guy is blowing smoke, you know. Oh, but people I, still say that well, about me all the time. <laughs> I think they do, but and they may, they may, and maybe they have the right to say that. But I think that what you have that I have seen dealing with you on a personal level is I, I think you're, I think humility is inside there, which is good. Let me just put it that way well, because I, I, I talk to a few people about this because I'm like. I don't consider myself arrogant. I consider myself very confident. But from what I know of arrogant people, they're not able to say, I suck at this, or this was my fault, or where I'm the first guy to say, I suck at guns, or man, I'm horrible at paperwork, or uh, hey, Clay, I'm an idiot. I forgot to send you this article. You know what, if that yeah. makes any sense? Well, and I think that's what I'm saying is that you're, you take responsibility, you're, you're, just confident in who you are, and I, and I think that's what I think that's what all of us really are 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 trying to to do is just walk in our identity. One thing that we talk a lot about inside of of our church and stuff is identity, knowing who you are. Identity is power. Yeah, really, ident knowing who you are, and 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 not trying to be something you're not, and not trying to you know just you are who you are, and and utilizing all the things that. 
they have for furtherment of what you're doing. No, I, I agree. And I, I'm as far as on the spiritual side, I'm a bit of an odd duck because I am not the most spiritual person in the world, but I watched Joel Olstein, the blinker. Um, and he... <laughs> But he had I a, didn't think that this was going to happen on this podcast. <laughs> I didn't think his name was going to come up. Um, well, I, a, I'm a unique dude, when, and I, you know, as I say that, I'm sure I'll get arrogant comments about that. But like, I've read the book, The Five Love Languages, like three times to okay. make sure I'm a good husband. It's um, good. First time I read it was because I got a divorce. Um, and it actually helped me pick up chicks. The second time I read it, because I didn't want to lose one, and the third time I it may read have been it, ill was motivation a, there. I don't know. No, and it was. I mean, being <laughs> honest. And then the third time I read it was to make sure I keep the one I, I got. That's um, good. And there are times and and things that I will like with Joel Olstein. Am I watching it for maybe the same reasons you two are? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm definitely watching it to become a better person. And. Yeah. When he had talked about that, and, and Amy is a bit of enamored, my wife, um, from time to time, because I'll, I'll say, yeah, man, I can shoot. You know what? I I can shoot. And then you talk about turkey combat. Man, I suck with the diaphragm. I just can't. I can't do it, man. That's all you. I don't find that I like people that have those characteristics to where one of the reasons I Frank and Jake uh, Downs and Cody, three guys that are I'm super close with is. They'll do the same thing. They'll they're going to tell me their strong points, and I want to hear them. And they're going to be honest with their weak because those are just important as the strong ones. Like, yeah, if you think I'm all all not, not me, someone is all everything in the world, and then you find out pretty soon they they uh, are, are deficient in in half of them and excellent in the other half. That's bad. You need to know the deficiencies, and so I try to just be as upfront as I can of what I'm good at or not good at. That's a good that's a good segue to. Maybe uh, a couple other things. Let me go ahead and say just for because we I've already got off track here, but I don't really have a track. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about Kefaru. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about some about your traditional archery. There's mm-hmm. we got quite a few listeners that I think listen to this podcast because we don't focus on traditional archery, but you know we end up talking about it because I hunt quite a bit with trad equipment. Um, and then thirdly, I want to eventually get to bears. Um, but but it, it's good to hear a little bit about the you know kind of your backstory and uh, and really some of your maybe motivations and maybe maybe that's a good question. We'll take this question and then we'll go to trad archery. Okay. <laughs> All right. What what are your what are your goals inside of hunting? I mean, like if you get to hunt as much as you do, that's and, my- and that's even a broader statement from even a professional because I know you're in the outdoor industry. Um, like what are you what are you trying to do, Aaron? What would what would the end goal of Aaron Snyder in twenty years, if everything goes away that you would hope it would, what what would that be? You know, somebody asked me this recently, and it, I don't think they got the answer out of me. I wanted honestly my my number one goal is to be able to go hunt all the time and be off social media. Um, <laughs> I do not like social media at all, but I'm forced. I mean, I like. As I say that, You're I love... you conflicted, I bet, on that. Well, I love helping people, and I like telling people the story because it motivates them. I don't know how many emails I've got about saving guys' lives, diets. Um, guys are talking about committing suicide. Before you came in, I spent 20 minutes talking on the phone with a dude that was ready to quit his job because hmm. he was freezing, running a jackhammer, and his buddy said, you got to listen to Kafaru Cast. This dude was a construction worker, and he said, saved his job. He listens to Guy it all you day didn't long. Know? No, I don't know. He's from Montana. I don't know who he was. Mm. Um, but those things keep you going. But I also, I'm not a limelight person. And sometimes I'll get flack about that. And I'm like, 
like thinking if you knew me like lander will tell you like he laughs because people come into camp and i'm like shying and going in the corner i'm I'm just not good at that I'm, I, I look down a lot for whatever reason in public i have trouble looking in people's eyes it's just not my thing remy warren hmm. seems to be a lot like that too from what i've seen but um my, really, my goal is just to hunt as much as I possibly can, spend as much time in the field as I possibly can. I've got no goals of the, the super slam or certain, you know, yeah. like whatever. Like there, I'll have a goal like we were talking about. I, I'm really wanting to shoot um, a really big mountain goat, try to shoot right. the largest with a stick bow. But that's not because I'm going to enter it in the record book. That's just because I'm a goal-oriented guy. Yeah. I really not, you know, that's just what I'm going in with, but it's the way my brain works like when people said i couldn't kill an owl dad with a stick bow i really was like yeah you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna figure it out you know and if yeah. i don't get it done yeah i'm i and it's, it's so just for my where, own where does that brain. come from aaron like because it, it 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 do you have something you to prove you know because lander it, has so lander was a shrink right did you know that no all right, so Landers had me on the couch multiple times. I've got some dad issues in the we're sense talking of about, we're talking about Jeff, Jeff Lander, Lander with primitive outfitting up in uh, British Columbia. My dad, who you skipped out on me because I'm going to be there next yeah. week, and Aaron was supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah. We're supposed to have this podcast in British Columbia over the hide of a dead bear with the smell of bloody hands. He, but it was alert, there's one in the there's one outside. We do have a bloody we do have a bear hide in the mule trailer. Aaron, we're close. We're, man, we're totally getting off track. We're training mules as we speak. Did you know that? Oh, I've got a bear hide oh, in the trailer. The smell. With with my young mule who yeah. wouldn't let me put the bear hide on her, yeah, and so she's been riding with a bear hide in the trailer for the last five or six hours. It's been below forty degrees. So yeah, anyway, that's okay, smart. That's motivation. Smart. No, no, no. Proving oh. something. Got something to prove. Ah, uh, man, I would say, um, mm, and hopefully my mom doesn't listen to this. I do not have a great relationship with my dad at all, um, and he not a great dad, and wasn't really you never got a good job from him ever and if i was to guess that's between him and then my coach football coach perkins in a good way my coach perkins uh that um you know one basically left me to like is anything ever good enough in, in in the reality was he just never paid enough attention but and then perkins showing me you can anything is attainable as a human if you work hmm. at it hard enough because so I mean, you had a football coach that was really influential oh yeah i'd kill a building full of people to keep him safe yeah yes yeah, he, is, he yeah. is the guy for me and uh and i do a bad job of keeping up with him but he's he's been on the podcast before okay. but really a turning point in my life because i was a peckerhead as a kid i fought a lot um to where he you know he he made you want to be a better person and yeah. when you succeeded or you failed he was there to say suck it up man butch up you're gonna have to try harder and when you succeeded he was there to say hey man that's what happens when you know you put the work in right and that work ethic is what carried through now as i say that i have trouble filing my taxes i can't remember to take the garbage out but if you want to race to a top of a mountain or you tell me something can't be done i'm going to find a way or i'm going to try um and i think uh that kind of discipline you know and and, and that ability to not do very good at failing came from those one my dad who's and then sorry you might want to write down now. and then uh perkins <laughs> edit, who edit. <laughs> um you know and a lot of other people along the way but i think that's what you know at that young of an age i'm amazed how much that in a good and bad way 
echoes for the so, rest of your so life. So where do, where does that where does that stop, Aaron? I don't know if it ever will. Probably till the day I die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it hasn't yet. But you know what? I think I think insight is probably the most powerful tool that we have as humans to be able to perceive the things because everything that's happened to us does have influence on us mm-hmm. i mean really like i mean i think about i think about my hunting because i mean that's a big focal point inside my life i mean aside from obviously my family my wife my children are absolute number one priority but i mean from a outside of that i mean hunting is a focal point and i my dad was a he was a great dad yeah. and he 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 was a bow hunter he was bow hunting before bow hunting was cool but I received a ton of validation. The most validation that I received as a kid was when I killed something and brought it home. And Dad was like, good job. I mean, and so sometimes I look at that, Aaron, now and say, am I still, you know, you got you to monitor your motivations. Like, am I, am I still chasing validation inside of this? And is that the correct thing for my life? And, you know, these are things I think about all the time because yeah. – the decisions you make inside your life, the motivations for what you do, are significant. You know, but uh, now I'm know. glad the podcast is going down this road because sometimes we're not very serious on our podcast all the time, and there's a lot of, quite honestly, your listeners may not want to listen to it. It's explicit, and and there's not a lot of serious talk on there, and and I'm not very good. I'm not a, a Donnie Vincent or a Brian Call where I'm gonna write a poem right i'm not yeah. gonna do it right yeah. but when it comes to motivation um like i think people uh without coming off too too arrogant i mean in the at the bottom line you've got you right and that's all you've got and that's one thing i like about bow hunting is can't really blame anyone else right yeah. it's all on you and when i say on you meaning you can buy the best gear in the world right minus paying for outfitters you can buy gimme hunts but let's just public land hunts um you know, it's all what you put into it, and it's common sense and field craft and, and the whole nine yards. And at the end of the day, right, I mean, you've got you, and you're the only one to blame. And I think that's one of the reasons I like um, solo backpack hunts. They're not necessarily yeah. solo, but backpack hunting is it's 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 all on you. Um, yeah. I prefer that. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think, though, if I was going to give people, you know, advice is, um, you know, you get the, uh, you know, getting into the industry stuff what am i you know how do i get into the industry and 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 all these different questions and you know really if you just focus on what you're doing being the most successful hunter if that's what you want to do the most successful hunter the most successful shot the best shot you can industry's probably going to come to you um well when you need an article you go to guys that shoot bears right you're not going to guys that go on bear hunts generally you're going on the guys that go on bear hunts and are success people want to hear a success story yeah well if you focus on bear hunting and you shoot bears clay may be getting a hold of you right and rather than focusing on selfies and in the gym right nothing nothing i'm going to go to the gym i go every day but focus on what you're wanting to do and if that's yeah. be a greater better hunter probably may forget some you know, of the bs part of what what you said originally was that your goal is just to be a hunter man I'm just like you in terms of getting into the outdoor industry. I never had a goal to be in the outdoor industry. I never had a goal to make a living in the outdoor industry. But my passion for it, it found me, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I, I built my life back when I had no intentions of ever being full-time in the outdoor industry. 
I built my life around a prioritization of being in the woods when the white oak leaves turn maroon around October the 20th. That's what I, that's what I built. Aside from other motivations inside of family, I had my own business because of that, and then things began to happen. But to this day, Colby and I were talking today, Guys, a lot of guys that do video, I hear them talk, and it's like their passion is video, mm-hmm. and they love to hunt. So they do hunting videos, right? And and to me, it's you know, and I think to you as well, and I think to a lot of people, it's reverse of that. My passion is hunting, yeah. And then from that stems, well, we are going to make media. We're yeah. going to do video. We're going to do photography, and so, but it's fueled from this place of, man, we're hunters, yeah. And uh, and I think that's a good that's a good core motivation. Not I want to be a famous hunter. Not that I want to be well known. But it's just man. That's I want to hunt. I want to be a good hunter. Yeah. I, I constantly respected growing up just guys that were the real deal, legit guys that weren't looking for validation. I mean, they weren't looking for fame. They weren't looking to take their buck down and show it off at the parking lot. Even though I like to do that, that's good. But <laughs> but the guys that were just legit. You well, know? that's where that uh, conflict internally comes from for me. Yeah. The first thing now I do when I— Now it's social media, not bringing the deer down to the— Same thing, though, right? The first thing I, I do is—because I kind of—I don't have to, but I put it on social media. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm in the business of selling backpacks, and I have to get my name out there. And if you don't post what you've done, you kind of become inconsequential. You you become non-existent. And so you, you have to. I want to get to a point where— I don't have to, right? I just can yeah. go hunting and not have to worry about yeah. it. So um, as, as I say that, I, I have been very blessed, obviously. I just I started an arrow company with a guy, Broadheads, of this company here. Um, I get to hunt more than I probably anyone dang near. You know, I get to hunt a ton. And so I've been very blessed. It's just at, at, at the end of the, the road, I would like to just be able to go hunting and, and photography. I'm about as addicted to photography yeah. as I am traditional archery. Yeah. So. yeah. And that's some great stuff. I love your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like in your prints and stuff, like you can really tell it's a, a passion. Does that does that ever help, like bring calmer slowness to you? Uh, like hunting n- does sometimes. N- no, not yeah, somewhat. You know what I what? It's kind of weird with photography. For a few years there, I helped more than I hunted by far. And the way the industry works, and there's a couple guys specifically who, like, talked crap saying, well, he never kills anything. He just helps people. And I'm like, man, what does the industry come to to where it's bad that I'm helping so many people? Because I, I had shot enough stuff that I just like going along and taking pictures. Yeah. Well, obviously in the position, I mean, now I kind of had to do a little bit of a role reversal and just start piling up animals. Um, but I'm lucky enough now where i'll take the camera with me and photograph my own hunts as well as many others and uh you know you start talking about the reasons why you're out there if you're out there to get more social media likes you're out there for the wrong reason in in my opinion if that's a byproduct of it great but you should be out there for the love of the animal the love of the outdoors the love of the sport whatever you want to call it and for me i think that shows uh with the guys i hang out with that they could care less if you know they're out there to hunt and Mm -hmm. and everything else is a byproduct of that yeah, yeah. I just think like a lot of your still images really capture something, you know. I, I definitely I wrote an article about it, and you know, stopping time. Yeah. That's what I try and do, you know. And, and video is much better, right? And I suck at video. Like my my mule deer hunt was horrible. It was me looking like I was in a concentration camp daily in my tent because about the only time <laughs> I turn it on. But 
I had a, amazing photos of the hunt, and if I can get, um, you know, the best time is like in the misery of the hunt. If I can get right. a photo of that, that really shows like like there's a photo of of my wife and she's got baggy eyes she just woke up the stings coming out of the coffee we're in the she's got her headlamp on and it truly stopped you could tell like jesus she's tired it's first thing in the morning she's drinking coffee i find nothing more gratifying than as much as shooting an animal almost as being able to capture a good image yeah yeah there's one on the wall back here of a of a of a doll sheep that I that I took that is another time where the guy's coming over the hill. Anyway, it's one of those where I'm like, I remember that like it was yesterday and, and was able to stop that time for a moment yeah. and for guys to remember it. So Yeah. yeah. Right on. Um, traditional archery, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, so two th- Three years ago, you started shooting trad archery. Two thousand sixteen. Hey, yeah. I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a claim here, um, and we're not gonna test it. So it's just gonna people are just gonna have to make their own decision. I think at ten yards, I could shoot with you with a trad bow. I think if we could go out in the parking lot right now by my mule trailer, ten yards, I could shoot with you, Aaron. I I agree. Um, because I, I know up. I know that you're a you're a you're a gap shooter, so ten yards is probably a little tough. Well, actually, ten yards you'd you'd be in trouble. Um, Eighteen to twenty two, <laughs> you might have trouble. But I don't okay. shoot gap the whole. I shoot gap okay. out of uh, about twenty eight and and out. I shoot gap. I shoot instinctive inside of that. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, you know, with with traditional archery, the first thing I'll say is I was catapulted ahead of everyone else because of the clumps with at Rocky Mountain now, they, Specialty. They live over there, right here. I was just there shooting before I yeah. came over here. Yeah. Um, and I, I started shooting a, a stick bow, actually more as to prove a point, did a podcast. I've told this story about a million times. Did a podcast on ethical shooting distance because I was the, the a-hole dropping bombs at 100 yards and animals sometimes or even farther with a compound. And anyway, um, wait, I can't even say a-hole. Um, <laughs> I don't know if in. <laughs> I'm just taking notes. Uh, the, uh, I got to remember that for the when I keep talking. Um <laughs> I acronyms acronyms are sketchy. Okay, gotcha. So I pretty much had broke down, you know, as far as what's ethical for a compound and a stick bow, and and uh, and I I'd, I'd made fun of stick bow hunters forever, um, mm. and was about the farthest thing from a traditional archer. And I got a bunch of emails after that uh, podcast about you're a you're a crappy hunter. You're you know, pick up a stick bow and see how successful you are. And the way my mind works, which is, I think Tom Clum is, I don't know if enamored, but he's amazed by how my, my brain works. And I sold every piece of compound equipment I had literally inside of a week. I had a giant wad of cash. I walked down to Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear and, well, the rest is history now. So, yeah. That's how you got into it. Yep. Well, the Aaron, I had a, so... 30 seconds about my traditional archery career grew up compound hunting in 2005 started shooting a stick bow with somebody gave it to me but never hunted with it mm-hmm. uh killed my first deer maybe in 2007 but it was just like a hap hat you know it was just like i'm gonna try this for a couple of hunts had been shooting but then in 2016 it was a long story but i ended up i ended up through a unique situation ended up giving away my bow two weeks before season my my compound bow Mm -hmm. and and it wasn't really intentional it was just something i felt like i needed to do so i did it 
And so the only thing that I had coming two weeks into season in 2016 was the stick bow. And I'd killed, by that time, I guess I'd killed, I had killed two bears with it, and I'd killed a deer with it, killed a coyote with it, you know, but just piddled, never, never 100% committed. And 16 is when that's all I had. And so I went into the 16 season and, uh, and, and killed seven animals in a row two bears four deer and a mountain lion with a trad bow that year Mm -hmm. and it was a unique situation just like what you did it's like when you have no other choice yeah and you're a hunter (laughs) i mean you you, it almost it almost felt like i was a caveman yeah that they dropped out in the woods and you know you had sinew and some juniper and uh some stone points and you were like you gotta survive i mean that's the way i felt Yeah. Yeah, yeah i mean even inside of from an outdoor media position i mean like I understand, you know. I mean, we're we're hunting and we're gathering content for. It's like I needed to I needed to take some game. Yeah. And it, but it, but it was such a powerful experience to just be like, I will either be successful with this, or or not. And I had a good streak. And uh, but anyway, so it sounds like that's what you did. You went cold turkey there for a year. Yeah. And then you got out of it for a while. For a year, yeah. Well, eight, you know, whatever part of one season, right. Yeah. Right. It it's um was well, for a couple different reasons. One, the amount of money I lost in endorsement contracts is crappy, right? And you don't get paid to shoot a stick from, bow. Okay, from compounds. From compound, yeah. And uh there was a lot a lot a lot of pressure, but even today there's pressure to shoot a compound. I can shoot one pretty well and, and um be successful with it. But how much the really the like the end of it of the compound was in, in with Jeff Lander and we were in Alberta. I made a ridiculous stock. I mean, un- like a one in a million chance to pull this off, and I made it. Shot a buck, and not much excitement was going on. Not a with lot of adrenaline compound. with the I'm compound. With now, yeah. And then Brian Broderick was with me. He's a guy I partnered up with on day six. Um, Broderick, the same day that afternoon, we went on a stock. And the adrenaline level I had when he had his longbow in my hand, and he knew it, he could see it in my eyes. He's like, yeah, he's, he's coming back to the dark side or the, the bright <laughs> side, however you want to look at it. And when nice. he, he shot that animal, I don't know, seven yards or something, um, I was, you know, in my mind, I didn't tell anybody. In my mind, I'm thinking, man, this is what, my, this is my passion. Like, what am I doing shooting the, the compound? Um, and I, you know, there's always there's a lot of compound guys that hate on stick bow guys. I was one of them, and uh, you know they you use it as an excuse to suck. Um, right, right. And I thought, you know, I um, I think I can be as successful, or more so, with this stick. I I just have to buckle down, and and I've never said this before on a podcast or to anybody, but in my mind, I thought. I'm going to prove to myself I can be more lethal with a stick bow than I ever was or anyone can be with a compound. And I, and I I'm th- again, I'll sound arrogant. I'm doing a good job. Hey, of it. we got it. <laughs> first this podcast we talked about how Aaron was humble. So. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. I, I I wanted to be at a position and it's happened where if a stick bow a compound guy is making fun of a stick bow guy, I can be like well, look man, at me. That's I can the do most, it. The most Now, I've kind of been humbled the last year with my stick bow but before that Aaron when I came out of that the streak of well, it may have been 17 I think it was 17 when I had the 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 seven animals in a row you've got no choice but to feel like and this is the way that I've said it when I pick up that stick bow I have got to feel like that I can kill any critter on the planet in any situation 
or 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 I'm not going to be successful because the the thing that the with the big transition for me um, would have been that for years because I told you I got a well I actually got a stick bow in 2001. Uh, David Albright, a bowyer in Arkansas, gave me one, but for ten years I wasn't convinced that it was an efficient killing weapon. I mean, I I was just like, I'm not going to kill stuff because this bow won't kill stuff, which is ridiculous. They're extremely efficient weapon. The the mankind has been birthed on the the meat harvested by traditional bows for the last 10,000 years. Well, more, more people have attitude, been killed in combat with arrows than they have bullets in history. And that's before uh, a compound because nobody's died in combat from a compound. So i right. give you an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I, that, but that attitude, so I'm, I'm identifying with that attitude of, man, I, I've got to know and not, not doubt myself because when you – because so much of traditional archery is mental – I mean, massively mental. And You're that, only as good as your last shot. Yeah. And if your last shot was a bad one, you'd be able to be able to take it on the chin and get back up, or you're going to have a long, long bad streak. Um, yeah. And that, I mean, that's really just how it is. Um, there's not really, you know, any way around that. Um, I think uh, Landers brought up to me. He's like, "What are you going to? What's going to happen when you have a bad year?" And I'm like. I'm not going to have a bad year. I, I was like, it's not in me. You know, I probably will, right? But I'm like, I can't let that go on in my mind. I'm like, I got it. I'm, I'm just not going to have a bad year. Now, I've had some bad hunts, you know. That mule deer hunt was one that um, was was rough. Um, I, I pissed blood twice. Probably shouldn't have said the P word. I peed blood twice. Um, had some kind of fungus on my hand um, growing from whatever. Mm. And 12 days into it, 10 days of hunting, whatever it was. I still hadn't had a buck on the ground. Without a doubt, 100% season would have been over the first day with a compound. Right. Um, yeah. Lander had told me, you will eventually get to a point where you won't go on a stock and say, I could have killed it with my compound. And I didn't believe him, but it has happened. I I, it will still cross my mind. Right. But the feeling I get after I finally pulled it off with a stick bow is far greater than anything I've felt right. with a compound. It's right. uh, more self-fulfilling i guess you could say um and so being driven or goal-oriented like i am and everything else the stick bow is just a good good fit yeah Um, and i and i have had a good streak of success and hopefully that continues yeah okay here's my next question is i'm gonna ask you a question and then i gotta tell colby something (laughs) but i don't want to forget the question what what comes after this once you've accomplished it? Because I know that happens inside of me. I set a goal to do something, whether it's a specific type of hunt, a specific way to do it. So that's the question. You've got five seconds to think about it, Colby. Why don't you go check on our mules? <laughs> we got our mules out in the out in the parking lot. Um, I had to do this last podcast too, but I didn't do it on the air. I think that uh, probably once I get to a point where I'm fulfilled enough i guess with the stick bow i'll probably just help other guys and photograph their hunts yeah. i don't know that it'll be another hunting do, do you ever see yourself going more primitive i mean is that something you're interested in not not now you know i mean like just, stone i mean because the the progression you know is to go to like a self bow with a stone point stuff like that yeah no not not now i might go to a long bow at some point which yeah. really might is maybe a lateral transition you know it's, it's not, not really yeah, yeah it's not um, really that different the um i don't not so much um, right now. That could change. Um, 
really, if I didn't have the love for photography and, and photographing other people's hunts, that might be different. Right. But if I get to a point where, um, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, this is still fun, but man, I'd really like to go with, you know, Clay on a hunt. Probably just travel around photographing hunts and, yeah. and occasionally hunting. Yeah. Um, I don't think that that's going to happen what do you, for a while. You hear older hunters talk about this transition, this natural transition inside of hunting, and I bet you're just like me that when you were 30 years old, you said there's no way that that's ever going to happen. So the transition would be originally you're just like interested in harvesting game and then you go to more goal orientation which is like i want to kill a specific animal in a specific way in a specific place and then you get to this place where you want to help others and and i've heard some people talk negatively about that like man i'll i'll fight to never lose that drive to kill stuff and that's probably what i would have said 10 years ago aaron because that's to me that's a definer of a successful hunter is is like this no quit attitude and I mean inside of hunting the goal is to harvest a target animal but and so I kind of feared that transition but I'm I'm thirty nine I'm I'm thirty nine years old yep check birthday here and I sort of feel it now I have I have four kids that hunt but I'm still massively driven for to to harvest game I'm not saying that I don't want to but. I can kind of see where, like, and it's not something to be afraid of, like getting to where you're talking about, like where maybe there comes this point where you've proven, and I, I track it inside of my help, myself by the goals that I've accomplished over the years. You know, like there was a point when I said my goal is to kill a three-and-a-half-year-old buck or older in Arkansas every year with a bow. Mm-hmm. That was my goal when I was 25. And at the time, that was a massive goal, and Arkansas hunting's pretty tough. And I did it. I did it for ten years, and I was like, you know what? I can do that. I still enjoy killing a buck in Arkansas with my bow. Um, now I've I've transitioned to bears. I mean, like, and then that's yeah. been a, a lifelong thing. But like, especially the last six years with the magazine, it's like my my goals seem to be to travel all over North America killing bears in different we just came back from montana on spot and stock mule based rifle hunt i mean and like that was pretty thrilling to me even from a long range i mean we we're carrying a best of the west long range huskama scope that i could have taken a bear at a long ways and that was so different from what i grew up in it was kind of intriguing and uh point being like i've got this new set of goals but i so are you afraid of that transition there no, it could be a no brains, no headache thing, but um, I don't think I'm going to hit that transition. I'm different in that way. If if uh, as far as like being uh, without coming off sounding like a Neanderthal, and I'm ask Lander, he'll tell you, you got to about put a shot collar on me. I haven't, you know, people like, oh, you'll be better trophy hunters. You get older. Not so much. It's not hit me too much. I mean, being as honest as I can be. Um, it's pretty bad. Um, it's still bad. Like I haven't calmed down much. And but if it evolves, I mean, it. You know, I that's. I mean, my brain doesn't work quite that way. And right. I think that in some ways, I guess it has evolved to a little bit. But some of it's just by the st- structure of the hunt. Meaning, if I go to Oklahoma and they say don't shoot a five and a half year or a four and a half or younger buck, I'm very 
very good obedient. I don't want to screw that up. I shoot a five and a half year old deer. Yeah. The problem is if I didn't have that rule, there's no telling what I would shoot. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to shoot a forky, but I probably would have some trouble maintaining that five and a half year old. That's just me. Um, yeah. and, and Lander is will be the first guy to tell you that I am the happiest guy alive, whether it's a 150-inch deer or 190-inch deer. Yeah. I just like hunting. Um, now, I want to get beat up in the middle of it. I don't want to give me 200-inch deer. Uh, I want to work for one. And it's hard for people to understand because everybody's brains work differently. I would rather see a guy earn a 150-inch mule deer than shoot a gimme 200. The deer doesn't matter to me. It's the story behind it. And a lot of guys didn't believe that until they'd hunted with me, Lander being one of them. I truly wanted to see. I, I like the adventure of the hunt, and the animal is kind of – I'm not taking it away from the animal. I'm just saying that right. the animal is a byproduct of the hunt. The hunt is what's important. But I also think that if you're out there not taking animals, you know, maybe take up golf or maybe put some more effort into it unless you just like to hike around because a lot of people seem to hunt to just go hunting. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But – you also have to, you know, you can't, you can only blame yourself. And so maybe you should focus less on buying the coolest, newest gear and maybe focus more on field craft and shooting your bow or something. Um, not to get off the subject of that, but you get out of it what you put into it and you can't blame yeah. anybody but yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last traditional archery question, unless you want to talk about something else, Aaron. So inside of all this, uh, all this talk with the the clum method, which I've been I've been just recently kind of following some of that, and and and, and it's influenced some of the things that I'm doing. Some of, some of it I told Colby. Some of these things, I mean, I was kind of, I mean, I didn't. It wasn't a dramatic dramatic shift with a few things. Aaron, what would you say is the most impacting thing inside of your traditional archery form and shot? So we're getting like tech nerd trad archery. Because I know there's all these there's all these different things that you could say. What would you say would be the most the most critical component of an accurate shooter in terms of mechanics? Ah, uh, man, it'd be hard to pick just one. Um, in fact, I'm not going to do it because that would like sell it way short. But I, I would have to say just uh, um, the general shot execution as far as the proper steps. Um, that you take initially, uh, meaning, it, you know, having this, I'm going to simplify it, having the same anchor point every time, having the same clean release every time, repeatability is extremely important, but I'm going to squirrel, I'm going to rabbit hole really bad. I just read an article in a magazine that basically poo-pooed on three under and gap shooting and okay. you can't be successful that way. Um, that's what I do. And I've shot more animals and again, sound and arrogant, anyone I know of in two years. Recant I mean, that humble comment I <laughs> yeah, said exactly. earlier. And, and this is where Scratch I get that in, that. that's where I get in trouble is, is statements like this. And I'm not saying it as a bragging thing. What I'm saying is if one guy wants to snap shoot and swing shoot, I'm not going to stop him, right? But to say that the method that I was taught by through Tom Clum can't be successful hunting, well, I'm living proof that that is a lie. That is wrong. Yeah. And how many snap shooters do you know that can't hit a bull and – I'm about to cuss. I'm going to rewind. That can't hit that a barn good, wall. That was really good. Yeah. They can't hit a barn wall from the inside of the barn. I know a lot of them. A lot of them actually give me crap about the struggle stick comment when I know they can't shoot worth of crap. I mean, it, it is what it is. I think that if you get taught correctly out of the gate, you can choose to snap shoot if needed. 
If you get taught to snap shoot out of the gate, you cannot choose to shoot correctly. Yeah. And that's not really an argument. The sun will come up tomorrow. It is as sure as that. How I many say, snap shooters do you know that have to close their eyes to hold it full draw? Pretty much everyone I know. How many guys that to that go to full draw and operate a clicker, clicker correctly, can you say, hey, will you snap shoot quick? And they can snap can shoot. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying if you build the foundations right, then you have totally a lot more options inside your shooting. As long as you've got mental control, um, you can do – I mean, I snap shoot whitetails all the time. If they walk by and I got to – I'm not saying run by, but walking by – I can snap shoot. I'm not pulling yeah. through the clicker. Um, if it's a noise situation where there's a chance that that buck might, I know when it's going to go off to a certain degree. If yeah. I have to, you know, just start my back tension and fire a little early, I've made a conscious decision when to shoot that bow. Yeah. When you're a snap shooter, there's no conscious decision. It hits your face and it's it's gone. Yeah. There are some people that are decent that way. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part. Um, the the swing snap shooting is a in my very short career is a recipe for disaster for long term. You ever read term. the book Instinctive Shooting by Fred Asbel? I'm talking about Fred Asbel. Yeah, don't follow anything that says. Um, in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you if you want to have a lifelong history or a lifelong career of snap shooting and target panic, read that book and memorize it. And I'm not taking away from anything he's done for the sport. The guy's been amazing right, for it. Right. I'm just saying, if you don't want to get target panic and you want yeah. to be accurate, I would follow what you Tom Clum has to say. Is that's the book that taught me how to shoot traditional archery, here. Yeah. And I can't say that I totally follow it 100%, mm-hmm. but the, the ideas of instinctive shooting that he – like I still – I did snap shoot for years – and due to, I, I do to some degree still today. And I, and I want to tell you just my little, just a short spill. But the, some of the ideas that he gave me, gave me some foundations about bow arm, mm-hmm. a draw that was going to the same place every time, clean release. Now, he was split fingers. Mm-hmm. I, at one point I saw a... Barry Wenzel, I think, shoot three under. Mm-hmm. I had trouble for 10 years with accuracy shooting split fingers. Mm-hmm. And one day I saw, I think it was Barry Wenzel, shoot with three under. And I, it just made sense. I literally got out of my, turned the TV off and watching a DVD or something, went and got my bow, and my shooting was like incredibly better. But let's see, where am I going with this? I, so I, that did give me some good foundation, just the mechanics. The idea that that bow will shoot the same every single time if you do the same thing every single time. Um, but that can't I'm, be, and I'm, I'm that, not arguing at oh, all no, no. with your – That can't be argued. And that's, that's why right. I say there is things he says that I, I agree with. Right. There's other things that are a recipe. Well, let's say he's got the strongest mind in the world, which he must have if he's never had target panic. Yeah, um, yeah. The snap shooting – Letter rip tater chip. If you can do that, yeah, you're not going to have a problem. The problem is, is most people can't. It, I think it's close range, though. and this is what I was going to say, Aaron. My focus inside of traditional archery has not has been to kill game inside of 14 yards. Right. That, that and in in the way that I've done it, that's worked for me. Right. I've 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 wounded and missed less game 
with the traditional bow that I have with my compound, but mm-hmm. it's because I, I've the style of hunting that I do, which I'm not hunting out west trying to stalk a mule deer and get a 40 yard shot. I'm not hunting mountain goat. Yeah. You know, I'm hunting. Yeah. So, so I go back to that to say, you know, it does work if you have certain limitations. And that's the one thing I remember Fred Asbel in his book saying is that. And, and this doesn't go against you. Please don't take it that no, way, I, dude. I'm not like but that. Don't that, worry about that. But that you can either become a better shooter, you can c- become a better hunter. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, "Get closer." I mean, right. that's what I remember him saying as oh, a 25 yeah. year old reading that book. It was like, "Yeah, so if I can shoot this bow," and really for years it was 10 yards. Mm-hmm. If I, I got to get within 10 yards a game, and then I can 10 ring them. Yeah. And so that became this cool concoction for me. That was fun. Oh and, yeah, and and so anyway, so when I see guys like you, which I'm, uh, you know, shooting at forty yards, man, I can't shoot at forty yards. I did challenge you uh, jokingly on Facebook the other day and said mm-hmm. that I could teach you something about traditional archery. I think you <laughs> knew that was a joke. Private message, of course. Well, but that's never been my goal to shoot forty. Yeah. But I have been, tried to be as good as I could out to fifteen. Killed some game out past twenty, but you know. And, and I don't, and I'm trying, like, again, I'll, I'll say it, I said it earlier, I'm not taking anything away from what that man has done for the sport. Right on, yeah. I mean, but what I am saying is um, if you, um, well, I could pick a ton of different other athletes, but let's just focus on this. If, if well, we're going to use me for an example, and I'll take the brunt of it. In, inside of a year with Tom Klum, I was shooting paper plates or smaller at 40 yards, Right. winning pretty much every tournament I went to and shooting very well and having some su- success with hunting animals all over the place. I don't think that could be argued that that will work. Mm-hmm. Now, will it work? And and, I, and I've talked with the guys at Black Widow that um, Asbel holds a class there, and it's 10, 15-yard shots. If that's what you're into, I'm not going to – man, I'm, yeah. I'm the last guy to tell you to shoot farther – but I'm also I'm not going out there to I'm going out there to shoot something. And uh, if I'm proficient at 34, that's going to up my odds. Yeah. I, the 40 yards a, a bit far. I've taken two animals at 40, and it's certainly not what I prefer. Yeah. But um, you know, if there's a deer bedded at 32, I can shoot softballs at 32 yeah. all day. Do you want to close that distance by half, or do you want to kill it where it lays? Yeah. I'm going to yeah. kill it where it's laying. Yeah. Um, and if I can shoot closer, I've shot animals at four feet. And at forty three yards and pretty much everywhere in between, I just don't think you can do it consistently past fifteen to eighteen without Tom's. Yeah, system. I, I agree with you. I mean, that's been so before, and I'm I'm starting to be influenced by Clum. I'd love to go do a class with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you just said is exactly right. I I with the methods that I've used, I have been very proficient out to fifteen eighteen yards. Yeah. And I mean, and that's probably maybe the limitation of a guy that is shooting that. And, and there's plenty of guys that could shoot better than that because I think inside of that, then there's like the individual talent and skill and hand-eye coordination and ability of the individual archer, mm-hmm. which varies greatly. There's yeah. some guys that are just naturals, some guys that are not. I think I'm probably in the you know I, I'm proficient with it. I'm 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 in there. I'm not going to say where I think I'm at. Point being. <laughs> I think I think that sometimes, especially in the traditional archery world, there's so much. Uh, well, I, I think a guy's goals have to be factored in, and you're yeah. such a you're such a great uh, and dominant personality inside of it. 
I, I guess, you know, it's not the only way. It, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, what you're saying is a thousand percent right. To be accurate out to 40, I'm totally convinced after what I've heard that but a guy could still be successful inside of snap shooting. And oh, just getting into 15 yards. Yeah, and the 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 big thing, just so I'm not taking too far out of context, how many people do you know are going to be on the ninth day of a mule deer hunt snap shooting consistently or whatever you want to call it and have an animal at 28 and not take the shot? Right, exactly. Not I'm very with many. You. And so for for me, and again, I'm green, right? I, I just started doing this. That guy's been in here longer than I've been alive. Okay, so again, but it's going to be hard to convince me that the most – that, that what Tom teaches is not the most proficient way because you, you can choose to snap shoot with Tom's system. And I, I like that. I like what you just said there. I, and I think it probably is. Well, I think I, it, I only, that's all I know. But what I, you know, when I say that's all I know, I know of a bunch of 38, 45 year old to 60 year, year old men that can't hold the string to their face without closing their eyes and literally short draw. And they tell me they're both 70 pounds at 28, but they're drawn to a solid 25 and a half because they're snap shooting. And I'm going off of what I've seen. And again, I'm, I'm very blunt and very open. You can't take away what I've seen because I've seen it. And you yeah, can't yeah. take away the fact that I see guys that can't hit the bale at 20 yards. Yeah. And I'm not, this isn't just the compound guys the same way. I'm not picking on trad archers. What I, what I, what I've seen though is Tom take a guy brand new green mold that guy into someone who's proficient in a very short period of time at 20 yards he may never shoot past 20 but he's also not going to suffer from target panic as quick yeah, he's yeah. not going to suffer from short drawing as quick and when you um, well you're overbowed but when you use the snap shooting method it is very prone to short drawing right and short yeah. drawing is bad and um, trying to keep me out of this too, too much, um, I look at um, the – God, how am I going to put this without getting in too much trouble? Um, there was a reason when I got into traditional archery I didn't want to get into it. Okay, There wasn't really a spokesman, and I'm not saying I'm the spokesman, but there wasn't a spokesman that made it cool. Right, yeah. Um, there's a lot of spokesmen that make it cool now. That doesn't mean distance. That just means it's a cool thing to do, right? Um, and it's highlighted the 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 reasons why you should be doing it to make it. I say cool, but really to, for to, to get people I've, to want to do it. Aaron, what I always said was that trad archery. When I was growing up, shooting three D targets with my dad was all the old men shot trad. Yeah. It, was, it was an old man sport. Yep. But but now we've got this 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 cast of people that are making it cool. Yeah, you know I, I mean. I, I'm excited about it because it's changed me as not only just as a hunter but as a person and I'm and I don't know if I'm hunting for different reasons but I'm I'm certainly um out there for the challenge you know yeah. and I, and and it, I I don't want to think that I'm picking on the old crowd or Asbel I'm just <laughs> stating what I've seen and it would be interested to have Tom and and Fred as on a debate I would yeah. like to hear them go back and forth I'm not going to be able to do it. I haven't done it long enough. They're going to be like, this guy's green. You know, I bet whatever. they would – and I don't want to pit them against each other, though, Aaron. You know I mean? Like, their methods are different for sure. But just like in anything, there's different ways to do stuff with different goals. And, and uh, man, both of those guys, in my mind, are, are iconic heroes of traditional archery. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, 
But uh, and I now, certainly wouldn't look at it as pitting them against each other. Right. What I would do is it gives two people two, uh, you know, ways. Okay, Republican, Democrat. If a guy's green and just getting into, you know, who am I going to vote for? You're not pitting two people against each other. You're just hearing you're trying their to gather sides, the facts, and then they can choose for themselves. And I, don't, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any conflict really. Like in terms of, I think people when they see Clum's method, it makes sense. I mean, to me, and and I am. I told you, I was absolutely influenced by Asbel. Yeah. With his book, I've got it on my shelf. It's like it's like an iconic book. Taught me, got me started. And when I started seeing this stuff with Clum, I was like, "Yeah, this makes sense. What he's saying it makes a ton of sense." And well, and and I and I'm and I'm kind of gradually moving that direction 100. percent So I mean, it, and I think what we're seeing inside the traditional archery world is is a natural progression that we find inside of everything. Yeah. I mean, there's there's people that there's a way of doing things, and then all of a sudden there's a new generation of people that say, "Hey, there's a there's a better way to do this." And then there's going to be some people from the old that pick on that guy and get mad at him, but you know, and I think that's not really the 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 part to focus on, you know. But I think I think what you're doing is awesome. It's helped me. That that's all I can say is that um, it really has. It's inspired me to be a better traditional archer, uh, and I think it's working. And it's because the stuff that I'm following and checking out Clum and Tyler Frill, a friend of mine, uh, writes for Barony Magazine. Some I know he's been with Clum. And uh, now nah, it's cool stuff. Yeah, it really is. It's cool stuff. I like it. I, I like the fact that it. Um, when I started, there wasn't anyone to go to. Okay, there wasn't any social media guy. South was one, but South South like South's a mule deer guy, not a. When How I say did that, South shoot? I've never. I can't he remember. He shoots a lot better now than he did when I first met him. He can shoot pretty good now. I um, mean, is he doing? Is he? Oh yeah, he's do, got a clicker on in the whole nine okay. yards. Um, okay. Mm. Colby, how were the mules? Fantastic. <laughs> Were they? They're just yeah. chilling out in there. Yeah, just should have given them some pellets. We should have given them some pellets. Yeah. Uh, Later. I, I think that um, when um, you know you're never going to be able to make traditional archery a long distance sport. Um, meaning, it's just, it's just capabilities of it, right? I mean, you just can't you can't shoot far accurately, no matter yeah. how. I mean, there's times that I'll shoot a paper plate at. 55 60 yards of have something i can hold on with my point over not a shot i'm going to take and i mean i guess on a second arrow i might attempt that but yeah, if you hit it the first time yeah exactly if i've made a shot yeah. and i think man this is i need to get another arrow in it but um I, well randy and denny uh randy cooling and denny sturgis said you should at least have a plan for a longer shot I'll i see. agree with that yeah you know it's not a bad idea you get one and you need to get another one in it you should at least have a decent idea rather than just gripping and ripping yeah um they they face walk they different anchor points okay which i never messed that's not my cup of tea um yeah well you ever read like fred bearsfield notes mm-hmm. okay shot it at 40 went under it shot it at 50 went under it shot it at 60 went under it hit it in the formoral at 70 okay well obviously the founder of archery was winging him out there okay if it doesn't take too long to read that i think he shot yeah. his leopard at a hundred and some yards i um, don't remember it's far okay yeah. yeah yeah i'm not saying follow that footstep or right. you should do we really that. can't do that anymore um right for what why is that why can't we why can't we follow because we Bear? because we well i'm i'm not disagreeing with you but i'm, oh, just I'm saying, not saying we should i'm, I'm just asking saying you because a question. the world is so much more transparent than it used to be 
because of social media. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying I wanted you to say it. Everything's out there now. Right. 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 So it's should we or shouldn't we? We should certainly shouldn't post it. Okay. That's without a doubt. No one should see that. Should we as far as accuracy? Probably not, because I don't think very many people are that accurate at that distance. When I right. say that distance, past 40. Yeah, I think you fo- bet. 40 and in, 40 is uh, 10% of the time, 5% of the time, meaning right person, right place, right time, probably let, maybe 5. So inside of 20, yeah, it's an 80%, right, inside of, for the most part. That 20, 240, it's all on each person. Most right. people, if they're in the woods, are going to be accurate out to 18 or 20. Yep. Or they, probably shouldn't be in the woods because yep. it's pretty hard to get closer than 10 15 20 yards yeah my looking at this uh, starting out with a compound where i could shoot over 100 um consistently i had to immediately change my hunting style right i totally wore reversal i had to become more patient i had to see animal behavior well, when the animal stands up at 70 and you just shoot it, you're not seeing a lot of animal behavior. Now at 70, that may be four more hours before I get to take a shot. So it's it's made me, and what I would hope that it would help other people is become more of a animal aficionado. You're becoming yeah. a better hunter as yes. you do this. Does the 40-yard thing help? Oh, yeah. The fact I can shoot 40 in paper plate to softball sizes, it puts me... A step above where I can take that shot in the right situation. That right situation is generally a, a bedded animal because right. they are only Can't getting jump there. The real string quick. really. Yeah, yeah, and the bows are quiet enough that they generally don't hear it go off. Um, and I've got a point to all of this. I think that when people look at traditional archery, I think they should look at it as you say progression. You know, that's one way to look at it. If you're bored with a compound, you should pick up a stick bow. Yep. If you suck with a compound, pick up a stick bow. You already suck, right? Um, <laughs> a stick bow's funner. And, I, and I, I hate to be that blunt, but it's true. If you're just not a good shot with a compound, pick up a stick bow, start from scratch, get coaching. I can tell you now, it's a hell of a lot funner to suck with a stick bow than it is with a compound. Because with a stick bow, you can stump shoot, you can shoot squirrels, you can shoot things you just can't really do with yeah. the compound. Um <clears throat> that probably sounded harsh, but it's true. I, you know, I lot of, know a lot of guys that aren't real proficient out to 30 with a compound. I'm like, dude, pick up a stick bow, start over. You've already got all these bad habits yeah. ingrained in your brain with a compound. You can start from scratch. Start fresh. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And and I think I try to point people in that direction. And there's some guys that should, shouldn't have a stick bow or a compound in their hand. You know, there's some guys that yeah. it, they should maybe not be hunting. Um, when I say that, I mean they need to put more effort into it maybe is what yeah. i should say so anyway i'm going down the rabbit hole here <laughs> well the to me what i've always liked about traditional archery is that and and i think aaron is the reason that i got into it originally now it took me a while to get like deep into it mm-hmm. was because you cannot fake being a tradbow shooter no <laughs> i mean and and that's the thing like compound archery is so proficient that compound the technology of a compound bow is so proficient i can take my daughter out and within two hours of buying her a new compound bow she can pretty much be ready to bow hunt a white-tailed deer inside of 15 yards and probably two hours yeah minus, and, minus adrenaline yeah proficiency 100 yeah, percent. just to, to yep. hit, hit a target yeah and uh man you can't fake being a trad archer and be successful yeah now, you can get lucky you can but i mean 
you and I think that to me is probably one of the bigger things that I like about it and what I respected about these old traditional archers that I did know is that they were authentic. Yeah. And I, and I think to me that's that's probably in me like the the magnetism that I see that I that I like inside of people's when I see somebody that's authentic mm-hmm. and a lot in some of the traditional archers and, and specifically I'm talking about and I, I I doubt he'll listen to this podcast, but my brother's father-in-law, David Albright, a bowyer in Arkansas, man, I, when, when he talked to me about bow hunting, and I was a compound archer when I was in my early, tw- well, in my early 20s when I was talking to him about traditional archery, and I was like, man, that's the way to bow hunt. And and to this day, I still shoot some compound, but but I recognize that you couldn't fake what he was doing and be successful. And that's I'm, what I like about it. I'm looking up David Albright. Where have I heard that name before? What well, is he a bowyer? He's he's a bowyer. I don't even know if you'll find David online. David is a David is a he's a he's my brother's father-in-law and been making bows for years and years. He killed a hundred and. 55 inch deer on a public ground in the Washita Mountains of Arkansas with the, with his trad bow this year. But I've just a legit guy. I've heard that name before, and there's always why that's why I was playing with my phone to look it up. Yeah. But I, I, man, I I agree. I just met Marv Clinky, who's like a legend in Colorado, for the first okay. time like an hour and a half ago. Um, mm. And uh, I just said, hey, it's it's an honor to meet you. And not knowing the guy and I'm I'm you know, I'm I'm not taking away he's done more for traditional archery and caught bow hunting in Colorado than anyone. In in my opinion, it's the fact I know what he's killed and I know how close he's killed it and it that's amazing to me. I'm enamored by that. Especially coming from the compound and then the first year kinda of having the, you know, pit floor stumbling and everything else and then gaining more and more success and knowing what it takes the fact you might be laying there for five or six hours at 60 yards to hopefully get a shot well how many times has he done that the dude's 78 years old okay so Mm. he's done that a lot right (laughs) who knows how many times because he's got a pile of big deer on the wall high country bucks Mm. um and so i agree i mean to, to me like um some of the guys that are super successful with a stick bow um you know, I'm looking at. There's a lot of admiration there yeah. for what they've done, yeah. and they didn't have Tom's clinic, so you know you're they're shooting that close. I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. when I say Tom, there's other the push guys are really helpful. Uh, Joel's yeah. kind of a brain doctor, uh, Turner, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and then you know there's um, uh, a coach that Randy and Denny use a lot, and he's kind of the same as Tom as far as that goes. Uh, uh, I just forgot his name. Uh, good. Uh, Rod, uh, Rod, uh, uh, Rod Jenkins, he's another coach down south that's okay. um, you know great for you know kind of teaching more of the. Tom and I argue sometimes. I'll say that right now. <laughs> um, when it comes to his methods and what I he taught me and how I've morphed them, do you want to talk about this at all? As I'm running at the mouth, what whatever you want, man. Um, all that I want, all that the next thought I have in my mind is I want to talk to you. I want to tell you about my bow. Okay, the uh, the thing with Tom is there's things that he taught me more feta style shooting that I have not done. I hunch over, right? I can't. Um, I don't uh, curl the wrist as much and 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 do uh, draw into the clicker like he teaches because I think it's harder to draw into the clicker that way consistently with an animal in front of you. Mm-hmm. So even though I should be drawing that way, 
I draw differently because my clicker goes off at a different time and I want it to be consistent. Um, I don't think that alignment, um, you know, the release, things like that can be argued, whether it's Asbel or Tom, that needs to be the same every time, right? right. You, you got to do that. Um, where I think that um, people uh, struggle, not necessarily is just the coaching. They get a bow, they're six foot one and have a 29 inch draw and their buddy gives them a 56 inch bow and the arrows aren't flying right and they don't know what to do. So the, the moral of my story is here, whosever path you follow find someone to you need help in the yes. beginning you're not going to just walk into it like a yep. compound you can wing it and still be successful yep you can't wing it with a. in That's my right. opinion you can't wing it with a stick bow 100 percent. but go ahead 100%. tell me about your bow well now I, I so the bow that i'm currently shooting and have shot for several years now or the the the, the brand would be timber ghost traditional bows and we talked about it one time mm-hmm. and i tried to get kent to send you one at the time but you we it didn't it just didn't work out but uh what i'm shooting right now is a timber ghost he calls it a g3ss mm-hmm. it's a takedown bow it's a it's a look that up while it's we're a it's a um belly belly mount limb limbs are belly mounted kind of like the black widow aaron but it has a super static the ss of the g3ss stands for super static and uh, it's one of the fastest bows, recurve bows on the planet. It looks like it'd be fast. It's got some curly tipped limbs on that yes. bad boy. Yes, and it's uh, man, it's it's it feels super good in hand. It's quiet. It's pretty short. Um, he makes different size risers. I've got the thirteen inch riser. I think I'd rather have an eleven inch riser. But uh, super sweet bow, man, for real. Kent, I think, is doing some stuff that's pretty revolutionary um inside inside the 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 trad bow you know the bow your world but anyway uh you ought to shoot it i got it out in the truck yeah i uh, i got my targets in the back so um we can do that i'm looking at it now i uh i definitely have fallen in love with uh the widow i've shot a pile of different bows though um i uh i'm one of those I say weird guys, but like five-inch feathers. I get crap about shooting five-inch feathers. Well, I've killed a lot of stuff with five-inch feathers. I'm afraid to switch. I mean, I I said that on a podcast the other day. They're like, why don't you shoot smaller feathers? And I'm like, well, I'm not dropping bombs at 80 yards. Wind isn't really first and foremost wind drift in my mind. I'm trying to shoot things sub-20, so I don't worry about it. But, yeah, that looks like that is a slick-looking bow. Yeah. He's Kent's got, a good guy. Kent's a really Kent's a good friend of mine. He, he's a bowyer there in Arkansas. He's okay. I was gonna say but he's out of Arkansas. It, it, actually, the my favorite bow that he makes though is the Smoke Timbergo Smoke bow, which is a fifty six inch hybrid longbow, and I, I feel like I just shoot it really well. But the riser's really small, and I'm not I'm not a big guy, so I like a smaller bow. But uh, anyway, I'd love for you to just hold it in your hand out there, Aaron. You could you could shoot an arrow out of it. Yeah, I'll but, have uh, to fling a few. Man, when you ditched me for in British Columbia, mm-hmm. um, I I actually hadn't planned on shooting trad. Yeah, in my spring bear season. <laughs> yeah, and so like three weeks ago, Jeff Lander was like, "Hey, Aaron's going to be in camp. You ought to come." <laughs> I said, "Okay, I'll come." So, Colby, what did I do? Started shooting a trad bow <laughs> yeah. out of the global headquarters of Bear Hunting Magazine a lot, and and I'm being completely transparent, man. I had put the bow down and and hadn't shot it that much, but uh, but I carried it to Montana on this rifle hunt, and yeah. we were planning on shooting every day, but I ended up 
stinking chasing bears so hard we we had a tough we had a tough hunt good awesome incredible adventure incredible monumental thing for me uh aaron i've had a goal i've I, I train mules, and that's yeah. a new thing in my world. Didn't grow up doing it, but three years ago, I trained a mule. My goal was to take to Montana and bear hunt on it, and so this was uh, this was the completion of that quest. And uh, long story short, we were in the backcountry so much I didn't even get to shoot, but I'm going to British Columbia next week, and uh, I'm going to have to do some cleanup. But I'm I'm going to have to shoot. I I'm, I'm shooting good, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're stacking them in there, but. Yeah, Jeff. We're gonna have to get closer. Funny, he called me and said, uh, "Can you not shoot one, say super quick?" And I'm like, "I don't. Yeah, whatever, man. I don't. I've shot a bunch of them. When you, what do you want me to wait for?" He said, "Clay's coming up. Can you wait to shoot one till he gets there?" And I'm like, "Yeah, man. I'll, I'll wait if you want me to. I've had good su- success. We with were gonna Jeff. film you, man. <laughs> Which is good because I hate being on film. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. The first. Uh, uh, and I'll try and keep this short. The the well, I shot a turkey with my bow in sixteen was the first animal. But when I had had gone up there, um, you know, I had all these things. People were telling me the clums, and and anyway, all these different. Uh, you know, the, your hunt begins where uh, it ends with the compound, and right, right. you know that was pretty poetic. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, it was true. That was nice, Aaron. Went up with this stock, and I'm looking at this bear at forty yards, and. I'm thinking you would be so dead if I had my compound, right? And and uh, came back out, went back in on a different approach, and I don't know what I was forty something from it. And um, I'm like, I I just don't think I can hit it, you know. And even now, I, I wouldn't take the shot, and I can shoot forty, just bad angle and everything else. So I, I mouse squeaked, and it came right in. Mm-hmm. And um, they're kind of blind, and it stood on this log above me close and i thought i'm just gonna shoot it on a frontal you know i'd taken lots of elk on a frontal deer and i shot and uh whether i collapsed or crapped my pants or whatever shot between its feet and tom senior told me you will kill multiple animals on your second arrow guaranteed they don't know what gone off with a compound that's right. a done deal they're, right, they're right. gone bear kind of picked up his paw and looked at it and i thought what i shoot his toenail off geez and put it back down turned broadside and i'm like okay <laughs> okay i got another chance and i i hit him on that one and uh it was a big thing because you know picking up the stick and am i going to be able to do this and it was great with lander so and it was ended up being a, a, a big bear I, did i write an article yeah, for you yeah that was in bear hunting magazine your um, first traditional archer kills in bear hunting mag or big game kill big game kill so you know i i had done that and then uh you know fast forward a little bit did pretty well at tournaments and i'm like you know this isn't gonna be that bad well then opening day uh, of season elk and deer um yeah i missed a deer three times at 17 20 something and i don't know and uh so we hunted some more for elk after that and i think i clipped an elk in the leg and i had lots of other shots i didn't take that i i would have but i just didn't feel comfortable with and we came back um you know it's probably september 5th or something so six seven days into season and um uh, came back for a couple days from the elk hunt and, and frank and i went out for a day hunt and i ended up shooting a mule deer at four feet um mm-hmm. like literally my broadhead was between its antlers when i drew back like close close frank saw mm-hmm. it all photos and that was a super addicting thing i would have never done that you know it was one of those i'm in my socks and uh end up standing on the rock above it shoot it straight down unbelievable well by some miracle i end up killing an elk short a few days after yeah. that well anyway fast forward i'm in alberta with with jeff and 
I didn't know the success rate up there with a stick bow was like point oh 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 one percent, right? So I get a shot on the second day that I missed, and I end up killing a, a tank. It's on the wall out there on whatever day it was, and and Jeff says, um, "You're the third one." Mm. And I'm like, third one what?" And he's like, uh, third one to kill a guy, kill one with a stick bow up here in like 18 years." And I'm like, "Well, you didn't tell me that." crap when you <laughs> told me to come up here and hunt i i thought it was gonna be easy and uh and end up being a, a, a big deer and i'm like all right i i can do this right and i think that um the 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 help i guess what i'm leading up to is because of lander and tom and and other guys my buddy paul and many other people the the help they've given me has been i mean it can't be quantified in with shooting a stick bow right and i try to be that person for other people now because it is something that'll i mean it'll change your life in my opinion if you if you really stick with it yeah yeah that's all i have to say about that <laughs> right on man right on how long have we been going colby one hour and 24 minutes okay. and 46 seconds well hey thanks thanks for taking the time to meet up with me aaron really appreciate it man no i appreciate you guys having me on here and i'm yeah i'm sorry i had to be an adult for a little bit and be at work so i'm sorry i stood you up in bc but look at it this way that's more bears for you right right (laughs) more bears more bears well um close colby any closing questions or anything that we had i mean i didn't really have a massive agenda with there and i just wanted to come by and see kafaru want to see some of the stuff wanted to Wanted to uh, outshoot Aaron uh, in the back here just sh- quickly. No, I'm kidding. We we probably got to go pretty quick, but we're driving home to Arkansas tonight. We got about a 12-hour drive in front yeah. of us. I don't know. I, I think just good. to sum it up, just from, like, listening and stuff, it sounds like one of the things you really do is just surround yourself with, like, good people and mentors, you know. It sounds like you grow a lot from just taking away positive aspects from other people. I think that's a, that's a good trait to have definitely yeah. and guys that keep you in check um yeah. if you surround yourself with people that tell you you're awesome all the time pretty soon you can do no wrong i'm b- between brian broderick and clay and tom and lander i am i am constantly put in check which i think is also a good thing so yeah, yeah. i've got <laughs> right on. i got one more i got one more thing you know so so i just moved to arkansas from texas and my legs are not uh up to par yet <laughs> so we went to montana and man i was just i was struggling and so i remember one part like we were doing something on the mountain and your voice came in my head and just said suck it up buttercup (laughs) i don't even know if you've ever said that oh no i say it all the time yeah but there's a lot of other things i say too did it help it did it did you go (laughs) it did well just i realized that i realized that my fitness isn't going to get me up this mountain i just got to get tough you know i just got to have some mental toughness and push through so yeah i I, because I was pretty sure you, you had actually said that because I, the first podcast I think I ever listened to was You need to get Aaron to Bowman. say that to put it on your voicemail. <laughs> Suck it up, Buttercup. Suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah. Hey, Colby only fell off the mule one time. That's yeah. good. I'd only I, ridden a mule, mule 60 miles. We rode 58 miles on the mules in the last yeah. six days. Uh, yeah, I'm not uh, not so much for me. I'm not a not, – I mean, what is uh, – they're dodgy in the front and back and untrustworthy in the middle. Um, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, that's I'm, about right. I for, I rode uh, one with with Bart a horse on the goat hunt. And, yeah, and uh, I ejected off it several times. I got really good at ejecting off, which I <laughs> but, um, no, I uh, I know I'm glad I can help, and I yeah. I I truly um, 
I hate to say it, I know more overweight, successful hunters than I do skinny ones. So there's something, something to be said about yeah. mental toughness. Um, it goes yeah. a long way. I think that's a massive thing. You know, there's so much of a trend inside the outdoor, the outdoor world right now about physical fitness, which is fantastic. It's a good thing to be physically fit. It's a good thing to take care of your body. But it's not the only thing. No. I mean, and I'm not in any way trash. I mean, I'm... Uh, you know, we got we got to be physically fit to be able to stay stay doing what we're doing as long as we can. But that, that's my goal inside of physical fitness is just I want to be I want to be hunting. You know, when I'm 60 and 70 years old, that means I got to take care of my body. It means I can't be, you know, but but you don't have to be an ultra athlete to go hunting and be successful. Yep. No, but it helps. It does you, help. You look at like well, like ultra, like with Cam. Cam pretty much on hunts on private land now, and he's still extremely fit, right? So, but you know, he was getting it done backpack hunting years ago. He doesn't do it as much now. But the the thing that I try to explain to people: if you were going to tier importance, okay, shooting is important, animal anatomy is important, bushcraft is important, and physical fitness is certainly not up, in my opinion, in the top three. They're important, mm. but well, yeah. I'd say fit, fitness is mid road because. If you're smart, you know, animal behavior, you can go up the mountain a hell of a lot slower than if you suck um, yeah. at animal behavior because you're going to blow it out and you're going to have to need physical, you're going to need physical fitness. Yeah. If you know animal behavior and you're smart and bushcraft, physical fitness isn't important because there's a good chance you'll get it done the first time. And that's right, what I right, try right. to explain to guys. And so you need, you do need to have the, try to have the total package. Right on. Yeah. yeah. You know, for what the mule, the reason I like hunting off mules, Aaron, is totally a, I mean, I'm from Arkansas and the Ozarks kind of the mule epicenter of north america in many rights in terms of training and breeding so it's kind of a cultural thing you know i kind of enjoy that yeah i enjoy the training of it but on this hunt and this was the first time that i've done it myself brought my own animals and hunted it was it was massively successful in terms of us getting on game especially colby just self-admitted that he wasn't physically ready for montana i told him we were going a week before we left (laughs) okay so and he, you're a ginger. Yeah, you're already ginger, at a disadvantage. Yes. I'm afraid so, to look you in the eye. You're still my soul. <laughs> right. so, so he he wasn't ready, and and uh, and that's not a shameful thing. Yeah. It's just that, that it's just the truth. Yeah. I wouldn't have been ready if you told me a week before we went. Yeah. But the mules compensated for that. Now he had to be tougher in other areas because yeah. he had to learn how to ride a mule and stay on it and not be afraid <laughs> of it. And uh, and he did awesome in that. But it so anyway, it was fun though. It was it was a ton of fun, but Aaron, hey, thanks a lot, man. It's really appreciate it. Uh, everybody knows where they can find Aaron Snyder's podcast, Kafaro podcast, um, and yeah, Kafar, and Aaron writes Kafaro at least Kafaro cast. <laughs> my bad. Aaron writes for the last three or four years. You've written at least one article a if year you for hound, Bear Hunting if Magazine. You hound me enough, I. Yes, right. which is amazing because um, I write really for no one else because I don't have time. But so it's, it knows, I you should know it, you like me enough to write for you, or I like you enough to write. Right on, man. <laughs> well, hey, you've been on the cover of Bear Hunting Magazine twice, Aaron. There you go. If I, mean, I write one on this predator hunt, will you put me on there again? Well, <laughs> if you kill a bear, I can't put a mountain lion on there, even though I want mountain lion articles. I for real do. Yeah, I, I love mountain lion hunting, and I think it ties directly in with our bear houndsman. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. Bart, I mean, like anybody that's bear hunting with hounds is going to be interested in big game hunting with hounds. Yeah. So I maybe, totally want a mountain lion article. Maybe I'll um, maybe I'll get a big one with Bart in June, and I can wrap them all together about hounds and everything. And I I think that's important that people understand the dynamic of hounds and how important they are with predator control. And, right on. Definitely. Yeah. Right on. Well, hey, 
Thanks, Aaron. And uh, keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live. <laughs> yeah, thanks again. Yeah. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.